Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett. And first off, I want to tell you, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. I have my Christmas pajamas on waiting for Santa Claus, some weird bearded man to come down my chimney and eat my cookies. But either way, whether you're with your family on Christmas, with yourself, with some loved ones, maybe just with some friends, and maybe you're just sitting there on your couch watching football all day long. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And whatever you celebrate, happy holidays as well. But we have something so important to discuss. It goes beyond Christmas. It goes beyond Santa Claus. It goes beyond the gifts under your Christmas tree. It goes beyond the friends and family you want to spend that one day of the year with because it makes you feel nice. We have San Francisco 49ers football on Christmas Day, Monday night football at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California as the San Francisco 49ers host the Baltimore Ravens in what could be a potential Super Bowl preview because these two teams right now are the number one seeded teams in their respective conferences. San Francisco, 11-3, number one in the NFC. The Baltimore Ravens, 11-3, number one in the AFC. This is what you call a classic matchup between two titans, two, two juggernauts of the gridiron. If there's one matchup you do not want to miss this Christmas in week number 16, it is Niners vs. Ravens Monday Night Football. Again, if there is any way to cap off your Christmas day, you had your morning breakfast with your family, my preference is two eggs fried with some olive oil, not butter, two buttery, buttery biscuits with some chocolate syrup on top, Ooh, some slices of bacon right next to him. Oh, I'm getting hungry right now. Then for dinner, you got yourself some ham, some mashed potatoes, some corn. Then you've made your way to dessert. You've put your plump butt, you've unbuckled your belt because your stomach is so fat and you're sitting there right on the couch with a piece of either pecan pie. My preference is apple pie, maybe even some pecan pie, if you will. And you've prepared yourself for Niners vs. Ravens. That is the only way to cap off your Christmas in 2023 and move us into what will eventually become the year of 2024. I cannot wait for this matchup. The Ravens, again, first place in the AFC North, also first place in the entire AFC Conference. They are 5-1 in their last six games. And this year... They are currently 3-0 against the NFC West, having beaten the Cardinals, Rams, and the Seattle Seahawks, whereas the San Francisco 49ers come in 11-3, number one in the NFC, first place in the NFC West, 6-0 in their last six games, and 1-2 against the AFC North this year, their only win coming against the Pittsburgh Steelers in week number one. Their two losses against the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals during their three-game losing stretch earlier in the year. And boy, uh, all the talk feels like it's like everyone is saying this is going to be the game of the year. And I think 
If you look at both of these teams, I don't think many expected the Ravens to be here. They would have picked the Chiefs, the Bills, the Dolphins. Many fans said the Jets coming into this season, the Bengals had Joe Burrow not been hurt. But the Ravens have quietly and impressively been putting together the best season of any AFC team and really the second best season of anybody not named the San Francisco 49ers. And because the NFC, at least the top, is so packed with the Cowboys and the Eagles in San Francisco and the Lions, mind you, the Ravens kind of get forgotten because the Steelers are floating around the, the, the bubble area. The Bengals lost their quarterback, and then you also have uh, teams in the division like the Browns who have Joe Flacco playing quarterback for them now, so maybe their path to AFC supremacy has been a little easier than San Francisco's because they haven't had to play teams like the Eagles or the Cowboys, but again, 11-3, no knocks on the Ravens because let's talk about their offense. The Baltimore Ravens offense is, again, one of the better units in the league this year, 27.4 points per game this year, ranks fourth in the entire league, four points behind San Francisco, mind you. Um, um, they have a plus 11.4 scoring margin of victory. That ranks third in the entire league. They also rank 10th in red zone efficiency with a 60.7% uh, red zone efficiency rating. And on third downs, we've talked all year long. What do good teams do? They're able to either stay on the field after a third down or get off the field. If you're a defense on third down, the Ravens rank uh, eighth in the entire league for offensive third down efficiency at a 42 42.6% uh, conversion rate. And I don't think it's wild to say this. I think the Ravens offense is the most unique offense San Francisco is going to play all year. Um, the Rams are very Sean McVay. We've seen it for, it feels like a decade now, so many times. Pete Carroll's offense in Seattle, we've seen that and beat them, what is it, five times in a row, right? It feels like we've had their number uh, for almost two seasons now. The Bengals aren't the Ravens. The Steelers aren't the Ravens. The Cowboys, we know what Mike McCarthy does offensively. The Eagles, we saw what they do offensively, and right now they're sitting back thinking maybe we should change play callers. Um, I am unfortunately rooting for Greg Roman to get the call from Philadelphia because I just want to see them be so bad, and knowing how, how poorly he is at coaching mobile quarterbacks, who, weirdly enough, was the Ravens offensive coordinator prior to this year for Lamar Jackson's entire tenure there, who did a pretty good job, won an MVP with Greg Roman, They've changed offensive coordinators, and the offense has taken off with new dynamics. They aren't just run, 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 run. They actually do have a passing offense that has new weapons in it. Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, uh, no Mark Andrews, mind you, but Isaiah Likely is in there as well. They have some pieces, but the offense cannot be overlooked because Lamar Jackson makes this the most unique offense San Francisco's defense will have seen all year long. Uh, he, like Brock Purdy, find themselves in the MVP conversation. This really is a matchup between MVP caliber talents this season. Um, some might even say these are the two best quarterbacks so far this year. Um, I think Lamar's value in statistics don't always line up because who Lamar is passing the ball, at least 
stats-wise, isn't exactly or doesn't equate to the value he brings to the table. Um, Lamar this year in the passing game ranks 15th in passing yards, ranks 10th in completion percentage, ranks 17th with only 17 passing touchdowns. He's thrown seven picks this year. He's been sacked 34 times, the eighth highest rate in football, has been sacked almost 2.4 uh, times per game, and has a similar sack rating or percentage to that of Desmond Ritter, who is one of the, and has been benched again, one of the worst quarterbacks in the entire league. And over the past five games, passing-wise, Lamar really hasn't been someone you point to and say, wow, MVP caliber. They kind of sit back and say, well, I mean, that's that's kind of mid, which Lamar is, I think, fur, uh, the furthest thing from mid, as the young hip kids like to say, this year. But his last five games, because I do think for San Francisco, what you want to do in this one is force Lamar to have to throw the football. Um, for as great as Lamar is as a thrower, he has far more limitations through the air than he does on the ground. Um, through the air in his last five games, Lamar has a 57.7% completion percentage, uh, nine points below his season average. He has thrown for 230 yards per game the past five games. That's not going to get it done against San Francisco's offense, or defense, excuse me, and has a 2-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. But when you dive in to the interceptions, Lamar all year has thrown seven. He's thrown four in his past five games, meaning that he has been a little, a, a little more turnover-prone when it comes to passing the football. And if you've watched Lamar ever since he's come into the league, although he has gotten better throwing the football, when he came into the league, people were saying he's only a running back, he should change positions, and he was indeed limited passing the ball, but he has grown since even his MVP season, and now with the new offensive coordinator in the building, the offense has taken new leaps and bounds. Now, those aren't gigantic leaks, but they are big enough to make you say, hmm, maybe he has more in the tank than many initially thought he did. Uh, but I will say this, even though Lamar has taken those next steps to becoming a top 10 passer in football, because he certainly is, I do think there are still limitations in his game. Uh, Lamar Jackson, like many quarterbacks in football, love to target the middle of the field. It's not that he can't throw outside, because he certainly can. But Lamar Jackson, when he had Mark Andrews, loved to target him until the wheels fell off. Now, unfortunately for Lamar and Mark Andrews, Andrews got hurt and is done for the season, not going to play in this game. So that means Lamar is having or has been uh, forced to throw more outside the numbers than he wants to, which only helps opposing defenses try to stop him because Lamar isn't as efficient throwing outside or throwing deep. This this Ravens offense through the air is the 24th ranked explosive passing offense in football. That's really, really, really bad. <laughs> like doing quick math here, what is it like the ninth worst explosive passing offense in the entire league? If San Francisco wants to be able to win this game, you are going to have to force Lamar to throw the football, and you have to force him to throw the football outside of the numbers. Can he do it? Yes, but he's far more efficient and far less comfortable than he would be throwing it across the middle of the field. 
Now, for San Francisco, you know this, I know this, uh, anybody with a football brain knows this, they have the best eraser of the middle of the field, and his name is Fred Warner. This is a massive game for Fred Warner. Now, I don't know exactly what his task is going to be. Is it going to be a QB spy? Is it going to be, or is that going to be Dre Greenlaw's task? Who knows? Um, but I do think this is a massive game for both of those players, mainly Fred Warner. They have to take away uh, inside the tackle box. They have to take away inside the hashes. If you do that, you are going to at least give your team a fighting chance to stop Lamar Jackson. If you can stop Lamar Jackson, you have essentially stymied the Baltimore Ravens offense. Now, that is so much easier said than done because Lamar is so freaking dynamic. And that goes back to my point, this being the most unique offense, San Francisco's defense would have played up to this point all year long. And I don't think the Commanders or the Rams in Week 18 are going to be any more unique than this Ravens offense is. Um, we all know how great Lamar is at running the football. Uh, you can make an argument that he is the greatest mobile quarterback of all time when it comes to how and when he uses his legs. Um, it's really him and Michael Vick. Uh, you can toss more names in there. You know, Warren Moon was really good for a long time. Steve Young in San Francisco was great for a long time, but there really has been nobody else like Lamar Jackson outside of Michael Vick when it comes to when they run, how they run, read option plays, um, just and, and really how elusive Lamar Jackson is. You can pull up any game of Lamar Jackson's career, whether it's in college, in the NFL, this year, rookie season, doesn't matter. You will see at least one play a game he makes three guys miss on one play. He's that elusive. He's that dynamic. He knows how to use his legs. He knows when to go down. And if you don't stop him, he is going to run all over you and your defense. That's just how good he is. And to prove my point this year as to how dynamic he's been, because you can say it all day long, but when you dive into the stats as to actually what he's done this year, I don't think it's surprising, but I do think it makes you say, I, I didn't know how he was that great. I didn't know he was that good. You know, he was good. But he just didn't know exactly how good he truly was because if you took away Lamar Jackson's passing game and just said he's a running back and, and just looked at his rushing statistics, which isn't the only thing he has because he's a quarterback, mind you. If you just looked at his rushing statistics, okay, Lamar Jackson ranks second in the entire NFL in the entire league, with 5.5 yards per carry. He ranks 18th in the league. He's a quarterback amongst running backs with 741 rushing yards, and he's tied for 10th with six, or six rushing touchdowns this season. You look at Lamar Jackson, and you say, oh my god, he's essentially two players in one, because yes, he'll beat you through the air, he'll beat you over the middle, he can beat you with his arm, right? But he, what he's able to do on the ground, not only keeps the defense honest, but you almost have to play, I don't want to say a perfect game, but I do think is that he almost freezes your defense of like, okay, he's in the pocket, 
we have to stay right here because if we move, he's going to just boing and he's going to, you know, sprint for 70 yards downfield. He's so explosive, so dynamic. And if you look at the Ravens offense, it is almost a 50-50 split in rushing and passing the football. Right now, the Ravens run the football 50.8% of the time. Literally just over half of their plays are rushing plays. They rank first in rushing attempts per game, almost 33 a game. They rank first in rushing yards per game, 163.8 yards per game. They're second in rushing first downs per game at 9.1, and they are tied for second in rushing touchdowns per game at 1.6. This is the most impressive rushing attack San Francisco has played all year long, and primarily, you can put Ravens rushing attack, aka Lamar Jackson, next to it. Now, that isn't fair to guys like Gus Edwards and Justice Hill and many others who contributed this year, but it really is the Lamar Jackson show for the Ravens rushing attack, because this year it really has been run, 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 then have Lamar make a crazy throw and beat you downfield. Now, it's not going to be 35 yards downfield or 20 yards downfield. It's going to be 15 yards downfield. It's going to be 10 yards downfield to extend a drive, to keep the drive going. They aren't explosive through the air. They're explosive on the ground. When you learn, they, they have 163.8 yards per game on the ground. Now, it does help San Francisco that Keaton Mitchell, who coming into this game, ranked second in the entire league. <laughs> or excuse me, he was coming in with an eight yards per carry clip, but, but didn't meet the criteria to actually be in the conversation for that just yet. They essentially lost a 10-yard per-touch player because he tore his ACL last week. Hope he gets healthy. Losing him. Lamar Jackson's great. Gus Edwards is great, right? They have plenty of good rushing players. Losing Keaton Mitchell is a massive loss for this Ravens offense, mind you. If you take away Keaton Mitchell's rushing attack, his statistics this year, right? They go from second in yards per carry to sixth. Okay, still great, mind you, but not second. They go from first in yards per game all the way down to fifth. So while, yes, Lamar's a great player, we'll get into maybe how they can stop him or how I'm actually really, really worried about playing the Ravens on Christmas Day this Monday. I do want to say that you can... If you force Lamar to pass, if they're going to play a QB spy, and we'll get into how to stop him here in a second, you can beat the Ravens by forcing Lamar to beat you. It just cannot be on the ground. <laughs> it just cannot be on the ground. And when you lose Keaton Mitchell, their rushing attack does get weaker. Now, Gus Edwards, a power guy, um, I think he actually is their best running back, not named Keaton Mitchell. Sorry, J.K. Dobbins. Then you add in Justice Hill, who hasn't played much recently, going to have some fresh legs. He can give them some pop here and there. More of a pass-catching guy. Uh, but the way they're going to play this is they're going to have their power in Gus Edwards, and they're going to have their lightning and thunder with Lamar Jackson and sporadic Justice Hill carries. But when you lose Keaton Mitchell, you lose a lot of that electricity in the running game. I do think, though, 
that if Javon Hargrave, if Eric Armstead cannot play, this is going to be a freaking nightmare for San Francisco. So many people are talking about like KNBR, 95.7 The Game. A lot of people on Twitter or X now, whatever you want to call it, they're stating that this is going to be a 10-point win for San Francisco. This is going to be an easy win or the Ravens don't scare me or whatnot. And yes, those things could happen. I would not be surprised if San Francisco wins this game 30 to 20 or or 34 to 24. I would not be surprised if that happens. But I also just watched the Arizona Cardinals put up 29 points against this defense and had Ronnie Bell not had his fumble not been called back, it would have been a 1 point game going into halftime. It would have been 36 to 45 late in that game against the Cardinals. And we might be sitting there saying, hey, we got to put some points on the board to extend the, the win here. And Stan Darnold's not taking reps in that game. I do think that, and maybe it's just me, because I talked about it after the Cardinals game. I did not expect us to score 45 points. Now, seven of those going towards Mooney Ward's pick six, but 45 points is nothing to laugh at. Putting up 42 and 42 against the Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles is nothing to laugh at or balk at, right? I just don't think, like, the confidence level is not as high for me when you know you're playing Lamar Jackson after you just watched the Cardinals rush for 230-plus yards against our defense, knowing they may not have Eric Armstead, knowing they might not have Javon Hargrave for the second straight week, knowing you just lost Kalia Davis for the likely season because of a high ankle sprain. This team has two healthy defensive tackles on the active roster, likely going to have to elevate T.Y. McGill, who I like as a depth guy. He ain't Armstead. He ain't Hargrave. It's not to knock this defense for them playing poorly, but I do think the trend we're seeing, and if guys are not healthy, it does not favor San Francisco by 10. I could easily see San Francisco, in fact, losing this game because the defense's errors catch up to them. Now, again, I am not trying to be all, you know, oh, it's Christmas Day, I'm scared, it's Monday Night Football. None of that's the case. I'm, I just don't buy into the idea that we're going to win by 10, we're going to crush the Ravens, oh my goodness. Yes, we can score on their defense, and we'll get into that in a second. I just don't know if we can actually stop their offense if certain guys aren't going to be healthy and if certain trends continue on, like San Francisco's lack of ability to tackle. So let's say you already don't have Hargrave and Armstead up the middle. Okay, you're already weakening what was last week coming into the game against the Cardinals. The number one rushing defense has moved all the way down to eighth in the entire league after giving up 230 plus yards, okay? You remove your best interior players, bang, gone. Then you mention Clea Davis out. Then you also add in Clellan Farrell, arguably your best run defending edge rusher. He's also hurt. He also might not play. <laughs> so you have lost or might not have your three best defensive linemen against the run. That does not make me say 10 point win. 
It's like, no, like, oh my God, like we are vulnerable where it matters most against the Ravens offense. Then you dive in deeper and say, man, like the tackling issue has been a problem this year. And now earlier in the season, when they lost their games in a row, it was a massive issue. Went away for a little bit and then against Philadelphia, it creeped back up now. When you win, what was it, 42 points and you have plenty of space when it comes to margin of victory, you can afford to miss some tackles. A lot of those tackles that were missed came earlier in that game. Then you ended up winning by a massive margin, right? Okay, but you missed 12 tackles against Eagles. One game. Then you miss 14 against Seattle. Then you miss 16 against the Cardinals who are easily the worst team of the three, a team that has a more mobile quarterback than the previous two, maybe besides Jalen Hurts, but he's been utilized different this year than Kyler has been. You have missed 42 tackles the past three weeks for an average of 14 missed tackles per game. So no Armstead maybe, no Hargrave maybe, no Farrell maybe, and you missed 14 tackles per game. If that trend continues... The Ravens are going to run all over San Francisco's defense, forcing our offense to have to put up 30 points, have to put up 28 points. Now, they've been able to do that this year against a lot of good teams, but the Ravens are arguably the best defense in the entire league. If they're not the number one, they're certainly top five. If you want to put us on there, sure, but Cleveland was really good. This defense in Baltimore is eerily similar to that Cleveland Browns defense. And if we're going to miss tackles and we're going to play a Ravens offense that leads the NFL in yards after contact per carry, whereas San Francisco's defense is ranked dead last in allowing yards after contact per carry. We are giving opposing offenses for yards. And if there's one offense you can't do it against... It's still Lamar Jackson run the ball 33 times a game, Baltimore Ravens. Like, how do you stop that? <laughs> like, and it's not just simple as, you know, you're, you're an eye formation, you're, you're, you're in a wide zone and you're going to hand the ball off. It's how do you stop Lamar from scrambling when it's a passing play? Now, there are things we've done this year, mainly against Jalen Hurts, that maybe they try to utilize again. Um, and it worked extremely well against the Eagles, right? Jalen Hurts' legs were basically a non-factor in that game at the link just two weeks ago, three weeks ago, right? And I do think that when you're playing Lamar Jackson, it's almost like you take everything you did against Hurts, Kyler Murray, and you move it and you dial it all the way to 11 because Lamar Jackson is a much more aggressive runner. He's much more eager to run and utilize his legs to hurt your defense than Hurts, than Murray is. Because right now this year, Lamar Jackson leads the entire league, which makes sense. It's Lamar Jackson with 11.5% of his dropbacks is when he scrambles. So just over 10% of the time, nearly 12% of his dropbacks, he's scrambling. That leads the entire league. He's going to run the football a lot against our defense. And if you can't tackle, yikes. If you're missing your guys up front, yikes. Like you're going to force bench players, depth players to have to play nearly perfect, which 
Javon Kinlaw, I like you. You're playing good football recently. I still don't trust you compared to Armstead and Hargrave. Kevin Givens, who I really like. I think he's far better than Hargrave. I trust you more than, or excuse me, I like Givens more than Kinlaw, not Hargrave. Oops. I still would not trust him against Lamar Jackson. Then you have Greenlaw, who missed like seven tackles against the Cardinals last week, which I hope he's healthier. Maybe he's good to go now, but you can't have Jair Brown launching like a freaking missile downfield within guys. Lamar Jackson will run not just by you. He will take your hit, bounce off, and keep going right through you. Like, my biggest fear in this game is not having Armstead and Hargrave, okay? Going to create holes up the middle of the defense. Wilkes is going to have to put Bosa and Gregory and whoever else on the inside and or outside move him to the inside. You have to create the leverage. You have to be able to keep contain. And if you're already not going to have your guys inside, you got to move the outside guys in, you're going to have a harder time keeping contained against mobile quarterbacks. It's going to be tough. Now, the patience against Philadelphia could be utilized. You can utilize the mush and play amazing coverage and just be patient with your edge guys. Don't be aggressive in when you run the, or, or when you try to attack the quarterback. Make him make his move first, then you react. The difference is Jalen Hurts is a lot easier to bring down than Lamar Jackson, who is the fastest quarterback in the entire league. And even then, if he gets in space and you miss tackles, he's going to run right by Jair Brown. And God forbid a cornerback goes down and you have to play Isaiah Oliver, he's going to run right by him too. Like, I'm not saying this to be negative because tis the season, have, have a holly jolly Christmas, but I do think that there is maybe this kind of blind confidence of we're going to boat race the Ravens. We could. I hope we do. I'll get into how we can score against them, but I just don't... I don't have the this you know innate confidence of like, we'll beat any single team because that's how it is. We're the San Francisco 49ers. Do you see what we're doing? Six games in a row. 11-3. Like, I also have seen the Eagles lose four games. I've seen the Dallas Cowboys lose four games. I've seen the Lions lose to the Bears. I've seen teams like the Patriots fall apart against the Packers. Now or, excuse me, the Chiefs against the Packers. I, I, I've seen good teams lose against really, really, really bad teams. You can go through the entire history of football, and you're like, how did that happen? How'd they lose to them? San Francisco, just four or five years ago, 2019, lost to the freaking Falcons. 2021, lost to the Broncos. Now, I get it, context matters. Context also matters here. <laughs> like, this isn't as simple as on paper. Like, you have to play the game, which could lend credence to my stats, my worries. It can also lead and prove other people's confidence. I'm just here to say that my confidence level is not as high as others. Now, if yours is that high, I'll power to you. Drop the like down below and tell me I'm crazy. I'm all for that. Let's have a conversation in the comments down below. Like, this game is going to be a massive test. This is a, can you stop or limit a mobile quarterback like Lamar Jackson. You kind of did it against Kyler, but the, in the same breath, gave up 230-plus rushing yards. Now, you scored 45 points. They also scored 29. Am I to believe the Ravens aren't going to score more points than that? I would like to think the Ravens are going to put up, if the Cardinals put up 29, the Ravens will at least score 30. <laughs> like, 
I don't think that's crazy to say. I know I've had like seven cookies today and I'm hyped up on sugar, but like, I don't think it's that crazy to say that the Ravens are better than the Cardinals and we gave up 29 points and missed 16 tackles against that offense. Um, I do think, again, use the Eagles method. You gotta be patient. But you also, like, I do not want to see Jair Brown flying downfield going for the big hit. Lamar will spin, run five yards to his left, and then be gone for 35. Now, I do think... Like I said plenty of times so far, if you force him to pass, they do not have the weaponry that is consistent enough to keep them in games. Odell Beckham Jr., who has such a weird, weird career. Great giant, then fights Josh Norman, and then goes to Cleveland, and tears his ACL, and falls apart, and then goes to the Rams, and then wins the Super Bowl, but also tears his ACL, and then comes back to the Ravens this year. He only has 32 catches for 519 yards and three touchdowns. It's not very effective. It's not bad, but but it's not very effective. Zay Flowers, who's going to be in the slot and be in the screen game, he's been a lot more effective. 65 catches, 680 yards, but then just three touchdowns. Rashad Bateman, only 27 catches, just under 300 uh, receiving yards and one touchdown. You take away Mark Andrews, put in Isaiah Likely, 23 catches, 282 yards, and two touchdowns. It's not like their passing offense is what makes them exciting or leads their team. This is much more of a, we are going to run the ball to score, to put up big numbers, to be and lead our offense, and we're going to pass the ball to just extend drives. Like, they're not going to beat us through the air at least when it comes to making big plays and having a 50-yard bomb downfield, they're getting beat deep. You can essentially play rather conservative, I guess. Like, you can put eight guys in the box. You can put seven guys in the box, and you're going to be okay when it comes to limiting their offense downfield. They're not, like, they'll take the shots. They're not going to hit the shots. Lenore and Zay Flowers is going to be a matchup you have to watch. It's going to be awesome. Mooney Ward has been clamps all year long. My concern is not, can you stop the Ravens' passing game? It's, can you stop the Ravens' rushing attack? Because once they get in the red zone, it's like night-night. Now, they're not, they're not number one, we are, but it's like, they're going to run the ball four times in the red zone, and if they don't get in the red zone, they have the greatest kicker of all time, Justin Tucker, waiting right there for a 64-yarder. Like, that's just who he is. He's that freaking good. Like, they essentially play with a half field. Like, that cannot be not mentioned here. Like, it can't be over overseen. Like, Justin Tucker is going to make this a very interesting game. Like, the kickers in this game are going to make it a very interesting game. You have Tucker, who, undrafted, future Hall of Famer. You got Jake Moody, third-round pick, who's been money for the extra points, but... At times this year, has been a little iffy. He's been, been a little frosty as snowman, where it's like, <laughs> he's frozen, he's happy, he's three balls and a corncob pipe and a button made of whatever, right? Or, or, or nose made of buttons, whatever it is, right? And then you're like, now Frosty's melting. Oh, God. Fro oh, he's gone. He's dead. You're like, Jake Moody, what the freak? You lost to the Browns. Like, you missed a field goal and we lost to the Browns because of you. Now, context matters, right? But 
My point is, when you look at the Ravens' defense and flip it, I do think it's going to be a massive task for our defense to stop the Ravens, Lamar Jackson. I think it's going to be a massive test for our offense to score against the Ravens' defense, which leads me to my question. Are the Ravens the best defense in football? Is this essentially our our rematch against the Browns? Is this Brock Purdy's chance to cement his MVP status? Because if he plays well in this game, just give him it now. It's over. If you play 16 weeks of MVP caliber football, you essentially have the award locked up, ready to go. This is going to be Brock Purdy's biggest national media test. It is his award to lose. Lamar Jackson's going to try to take it out of his hands and say, give me that darn thing. Like Kanye and Taylor Swift at the MTV what, Music Awards like a decade and a half ago. Jeez, I'm old. Anyways, this is a massive test for our offense. This is their chance to almost avenge the loss against the Browns earlier this year. Mind you, Ravens are a very different team offensively. There is no, no Nick Chubb and no Deshaun and you know, you know, PJ Walker on the field, right? But the Ravens' defense ranks first in points allowed at 16 points a game. They aren't even allowing 17 points a game. <laughs> That's, that is two touchdowns and a field goal, and they aren't even allowing the field goal. <laughs> they lead the entire league with 50 sacks this year. They forced 13 fumbles. They're the seventh-ranked passing defense when it comes to yards per game at 185.7. They are the 10th best rushing defense when it comes to yards per game at 103. But it doesn't stop there. This game for San Francisco, I think, hinges on, yes, stopping Lamar, put it to bed. We know it now, right? But this game hinges on, can you get it done in the red zone? The Niners this year are the number one red zone offense. They convert on 69, great number, percent of their trips. The Ravens have the number two red zone defense and have only allowed touchdowns on 38% of their trips. Keep in mind, San Francisco against a top five red zone defense of the Buccaneers scored on two of their four trips to the red zone. If San Francisco can get inside the 20, that's when the real game is played. It's going to be tough enough to get to the red zone. If they can, especially early in this game, put the Ravens on their heels, force Lamar to have to pass the ball to keep them in the game. This is going to be the Niners' toughest test all year. Now, when I say that, makes me think this is going to be a huge, and I mean huge, George Kittle game. I would like to think it's going to be a lot of Rokon Smith on George Kittle in this one, uh, which I cannot wait to watch, but every time it feels like it's a red zone kind of game, like the Cowboys game felt like that, where it's like, hey, once you got to get to the red zone, you have to score. This is more so of a game like that than the Cowboys game was, but this one feels like a George Kittle on Roquan Smith. There are so many small matchups in these games. Lenore against Zay Flowers, um, Roquan Smith against Kittle. Then you have freaking Marlon Humphrey against Debo and 
what I would say, Humphrey against Ayuk, that is going to be just put that thing on tape either way. That's going to be two guys in their prime getting it done. And I haven't even mentioned Kyle Hamilton yet or Marcus Williams yet. Um, but I do think that for San Francisco, I want to see George Kittle in the slot. I want to see Christian McCaffrey in the slot. Like this, well, yes, needs to be, maybe not needs, but this is a massive game for Brock Purdy. I think the way to offset a Ravens defense that is allowed a touchdown on just 11.3% of their drives. Their defense in 160 drives has only allowed 18 touchdowns. 11.3%. The average team is 20%. This is a massive game for the offense, right? This is, Kyle Shanahan has to be in the bag inside his bag if they want to win. Like, he needs to call Santa Claus say, hey, Tim Allen, whatever your name is, give me the bag you got that is this small, then it gets this big when the gifts come out of it. I need to go in there, grab all the tricks you had, and pull that sucker out. Whether it's the Easter Bunny, Father Time, whatever it is, we have to make some magic happen on that field this Monday on Christmas night. Right? This, to me, and I think if there's any way, or if there is a few ways, I'll say it that way, there's a few ways San Francisco has a chance to win this game. It's one, on the ground, and two, utilizing Chris McCaffrey in the passing game. That seems like a no-brainer. <laughs> Why wouldn't you run Chris McCaffrey into the ground and utilize him more than anybody else? But it really cannot be understated. If you want to beat the Ravens, you have to use your running back. You have to use your MVP caliber running back named Christian McCaffrey. There's even certain people saying, if McCaffrey has a massive game, this could be him overtaking Lamar and Brock Purdy for the MVP. I don't agree with that. But this is a game where Purdy and Christian McCaffrey could cement their MVP and Offensive Player of the Year candidacy, lock that sucker up, and give it to Adele to say, oh, the winners are, right? For Brock Purdy, for Kyle Shanahan, you have to have your eyes on Christian McCaffrey. Um, the Ravens' passing defense this year per DVOA, which is the nerdiest way of saying how good are they or how bad are they, right? They rank 24th in the entire league when it comes to defending passes to the running backs. Now, Chris McCaffrey, yes, would not be surprised if we see Kyle Juszczyk running up that seam. Don't forget, this is Kyle Juszczyk's former team. The Ravens and Niners are the two most, I guess, biggest teams to use fullbacks still. They have Ricard. We have Juszczyk. I would not be surprised if we see Juszczyk out there on the seam. Wide open running for a touchdown pass in this game or a massive, gigantic play. This feels like a juice is loose kind of game where you're like, oh, forgot you were there. You know, wow, there's juice. What a great play by Kyle, right? But if that isn't the case and you're going to utilize Christian McCaffrey, I want to see him up the seam, in the slot, in the nickel. There's a player on their defense named Brandon Stevens. Good old Brandon Stevens, Br Brandy Steves. He's their slot cornerback. 
if there's anybody that can manipulate and beat Brandon Stevens, who is a subpar player in coverage, it's your boy, White Lightning, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. Like, that's who I would target all day long. Like, you want an offense catered towards Brock Purdy, you give him one of the best slot weapons in the league named Christian McCaffrey, and you say, go line up against Brandon Stevens, you're going to have yourself a freaking game. You're going to have yourself an OPY kind of game. And he just scored three touchdowns against the Cardinals. Now, I'm not going to say it against the Ravens, but he can have an impactful game. A game-changing kind of performance against Brandon Stevens if he's lined up in the slot against him. They also are not great against covering wide receivers, number one. Now, it is because they move around Marlon Humphrey so much where you do have players like Brandon Stevens, you have players like Ronald Darby, you also have players like Kyle Hamilton and uh, you, you know Arthur Mollett out there, and you even have guys like Marcus Williams doing jobs on the outside too, but if I'm San Francisco... Like, this is a game where your passing offense can actually do some damage. Yes, McCaffrey. Yes, Juszczyk. Kittle. They rank 14th against tight ends. You can utilize Kittle. They rank 15th against receiver number ones. Like, Ayuk can have himself a game. And I just watched the Rams put up 30 points against the same, same Ravens defense. Now, Stafford, a much heavier passing attack... The way they use the pass is much different than San Francisco. San Francisco is much more creative in their passing game, but similar in ways. Obviously, Shane Hammock, Bay Ties are so close, right? But the Rams use much more crossers and, and slants. It's much more, you know, you're going to get your guys near the sideline on crossers. Across the field, make there be manipulation and get it done that way. You watch any Rams game, it is a lot of to the sideline, to, to the hashes kind of offense, right? To the numbers, where San Francisco can do those things, yes. But Shanahan being the genius he is, I think he can manipulate with Kittle and McCaffrey and Debo and Ayuk over the middle in this game as well. I know they have Roquan. I know they have Patrick, Patrick Queen. They got some dogs. They, no doubt about it. Number one defense in the league for a reason. They got some dogs. They got some dogs, right? But I do think that you can manipulate them. We watched McVay do it. If Shanahan can't do it, what, what McVay did, then what are we doing here? Like, Shanahan has outcoached McVay nine times out of ten. This is no Jim Schwartz where it's like he has Shanahan's number. This is Shanahan being like, there's a clean slate here. We haven't played these suckers since 2019. They got a new coaching staff, they got a new turnover. And that game was a Justin Tucker game field goal difference. Now, this team is much better than that team. The Ravens defense and that Ravens team is kind of similar, although different in schematics and coaching and stuff. They're kind of on par with that team, right? I think San Francisco is going to have some success against their defense. It's going to be tough. Again, once the field gets short, got to get it done. But the great thing is, 
While yes, San Francisco has come out to pass the football in a handful of games recently, in bigger games, they want to pass the football, Brock Purdy is unafraid to make gigantic big plays, and even with Jadavian Clowney on the outside coming up against him, or Adafi Owe, who's a solid young player, or Michael Pierce up the middle, right? Like, the offensive line going to have to do its job in this one. You can't have McKivitz having a bad game, Burford might come back. This play for Luciano, he's been so much better. Our, actually, our offensive line, their rankings have climbed from 25 to 21 since Feliciano took over. Just, just play your boy John. Play your boy Big John Feliciano out there, okay? It's not that hard. <laughs> just don't make a change when it's working. But back to McCaffrey, because I do think despite the Niners wanting to pass the football, despite them not being afraid to use Purdy in the passing game to open up plays... We have seen at times against Philadelphia where it was like, why is McCaffrey not touching the ball early in this one? Why is the game plan to not give it to him two minutes into the second quarter? Like, that doesn't make any sense. This is a game where you need to run the football. You need to run the football effectively. And let's be honest here. If they're going to run the football and we run the football, this game's going to be like five minutes long. <laughs> It'll be a 13-minute drive there and a 12-minute drive here and an 10-minute drive here. And this game's going to feel like whoever has the ball last is going to win. If you're San Francisco, you want to win the coin toss, obviously. But I do think because Lamar is Lamar, like, we have an explosive offense. We have the number one explosive offense in the entire league. The Ravens' defense ranks... 17th in explosiveness against the run. They are middle of the pack in run defense against explosive plays. And you're like, hey, Christian, get out there. <laughs> like, go get a job done. Run behind Trent Williams. You got to. He's your boy. Like, he's in the crit holes. No one else can see you're there, right? It's like when you're looking for some food in the cabinet and your mom's like, oh, it's right there. And you're like, where? <laughs> I can't see it. And your mom's like, right there. It's right there. And you're like, what are you talking about? And then you're like, you got to help me out. And she walks over and grabs it. Looks at you like, what are you, dumb? Like, that's what it's like running behind Trent Williams. Right tackle, McKivitz, all due respect. He's like, Trent, where's the hole, brother? Like, I don't see it. And Trent's like, it's right there. Like, run right there. Trent makes things that just other people can't do. And if you're San Francisco, knowing the Ravens give up or are ranking 17th in explosive rush rate near the bottom half of the league, utilize Christian. They're giving up an explosive run on 9.8% of their carries. Nearly 10% of their runs, they're giving up an explosive play. If they run the ball 30 times, that's three explosive plays. That's at least three first downs. And if you're Christian McCaffrey, that can be a touchdown. <laughs> like... You have to use McCaffrey. And I swear to God, Elijah Mitchell's healthy. If they utilize Mitchell over Jordan Mason, I'm going to freaking murder Santa Claus. <laughs> I won't do that. But use Mason. He can at least get you inside the tackles. Right? The Ravens should not be able to stop the run the whole game. Right? When you know San Francisco has the number one explosive rushing offense 
and they have an explosive run every 14.3% of their carries. This is going to be the Christian McCaffrey Brock Purdy show in the slot and on the ground. And when you when you can control the game on the ground, like San Francisco can, when you have McCaffrey getting you five and a half, six yards a pop on the ground, you can limit how many times Lamar Jackson has the ball in his hand. That's what you want to do. You want to make sure Lamar, yes, we know San Francisco can score on any single play. Shanahan was dialing up three wide-open touchdown passes, 12 yards of separation for Debo Samuel on a 12-yard passing play. He wide-freaking-open. We know you had that in you. That should be they were against Brandon Stevens, right? Like, the Ravens are going to want to get after Purdy. They, want to, they, want, they have to leave the entire league in sacks for a reason. Clowney's having a great game, or great year. You know, always having a great season, right? Checkdowns, screen passes, Debo Samuel on the run. Like, there's ways, and cre- the, the creative ways San Francisco can exploit, beat, whatever word you want to use, the score against, probably a better one to use, against the Ravens' defense. I think there's more creative ways for them to score against the Ravens' defense than there is for the Ravens' offense to score against our defense. What they do is just run, 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 run. 50.3% of the time. What we do is, yes, we run, 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 run. We can also hit 65-yard passes downfield for touchdowns. I think you're San Francisco. It's a massive task. And I'm not sitting here saying it's going to be a 10-point differential and margin of victory. This game is going to be close. This is going to be the number one red zone offense against the number two red zone defense. This is going to be Purdy MVP, Lamar Jackson MVP. Like, there's going to be a massive amounts of pressure. The Ravens are already saying, you know, we feel disrespected. 11 and 3 teams are built differently. We need to prove to the entire world who we actually are. They're going to come in here wanting to stomp you. We're going to be out there being like, hey, we win one game against the Ravens. We have two games to clinch the NFC number one seed. The magic number is two, folks. You win on Monday, it becomes one. It becomes numero uno. Okay? This is a massive game for San Francisco, a massive game for Brock Purdy. Like, you have to be on your A game against this team. Stafford did it. They're starting to surge. This Ravens defense is going to want to make a statement in this one. You have players like Kyle Hamilton who and Marlon Humphrey who just play lights out football. Their offensive line, Tyler Linderbaum, Morgan Moses, Kevin Zeitler, Ronnie Stanley, who actually might not play in this one with a concussion. But still, their team is stacked with players you wouldn't point to and say, wow, they're the best guy at their position. But you're like, oh yeah, that guy's really good. They have like nine of those guys everywhere. Like, I, but I, 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 I just do think San Francisco has the edge when it comes to the better offense. We know this. Our, like, our historically, like, ninth best offense ever and second best or number one best Niners offense of all time should be able to score against the Ravens' defense, which is already good in itself, right? If Stafford puts up 30, we should at least be able to score 31. (laughs) And if we can't, 
what the heck's going on, right? But I do think that if you dive even further into it, right, the Ravens defense, when in base personnel, three linebackers rank 26% against the pass. When they're a nickel, five DBs, they rank 23rd against the run. Like, this is a chance for Shanahan to not only get creative, but use the use the motion, use the personnel groups that you love to use, 20, 21 personnel, 11 personnel, you can do whatever you want. This is going to be the Shanahan mix and match personnel grouping against personnel grouping freaking like chess match for the ages. This is going to be like, again, Shanahan grabbing Tim Allen's throat, being like, where's the magic bag? And go in there and grab all the, the, the magic he has and be like, nah, I finally have all these gifts and toys to hand out to my offense. This is going to be an awesome, awesome game. I do think San Francisco wins. I think they win. I think they win 27 to 24. I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to play it a little safe. I wouldn't be surprised if we win 31 to 21 or 31 to 24. I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens win this game. I wouldn't be surprised if this game comes down to a Jake Moody or Dustin Tucker game-winning field goal. This game could easily be a 14 to 17, duke it out, rushing attack on ground and pound kind of game, and whoever has the ball last wins. I would not be surprised. I also wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco puts up 27 points and we're like, that was number one defense. And I also wouldn't be surprised if they put up 30 points and we're like, we can't tackle. We can't stop the run. What's going on? And they were like, oh, Philadelphia is back in the number two seed and Dallas is there. Ugh, we're never getting scared again. Ugh. And we're like, we have to win two more games. Oh my God. I would not be surprised if all of those outcomes happen. But I'm in the season of giving. I'm in the holiday spirits i'm out there singing holly jolly christmas and watching the grinch over and over and over again i have watched home alone like ninety thousand times this year because it's always on tv it's a great movie i get it but can, can you put something else on please like the first one's great second one might be better and i love me some joe pesci who doesn't love me some can't curse Joe Pesci on Home Alone? <laughs> you know he's dropping them F-bombs saying, whatever he's saying, right? Just put something else on. I'm cool with that. Elf is great. Like, season of giving, San Francisco wins 27-24 to 24 on Christmas Day. Continues their dominance over the NFL. Continues to prove that San Francisco is the place that the NFC and the NFL runs through and continues to show why Brock Purdy is the MVP favorite and why Chris McCaffrey needs to be the Offensive Player of the Year. This is going to be the CMC show. I promise you that. Barring injury, if you got them in fantasy, if you're putting money down, put that fricker on Chris McCaffrey to have over 100 yards, whether it's passing or on the ground, he's going to have himself a game. My prediction, 27-24, San Francisco gets the win. Please like, share, and subscribe on the podcast. All I ask on YouTube, leave a like and hit subscribe. It's a free and easy way to help the show. You can also follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is the Twitter or X. 49ers dot access is the Instagram. Over 20,000 
We did it! 20,000 Instagram followers. I am so thankful for all of you on there. We started this journey in 2020, started the YouTube this year, almost at 600 subscribers. Isn't a lot, but I'm grateful, or I'm grateful, and I surely appreciate every single one of you. Whenever I see the number go up, I go, oh my God, we got one more person in there liking the show, liking the content. And again, if you can, like, share, subscribe, leave that review. Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Truly, it's been one of the best years for the podcast. Uh, I'm so, so grateful we've, we've expanded the content we're doing. Instagram, Twitter, on YouTube now, including on social media platforms like Facebook. If your mom's on Facebook saying, where do I get my Niners news? 49ers access is the place to go. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and in the season of giving, if you want to go to this game on Monday, or you want to go watch them play the Commanders in Washington, you want to see them play the Rams at Levi Stadium in two weeks, you even want to go to a playoff game, use our promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS, and get yourself $20 off your first purchase. It's really the best deal you're going to get outside of a massive, massive discount. It'll help at least pay for part of your parking at Levi Stadium. It's expensive. Any way you can save money, you might as well use it. I use BART. It's cheaper than driving my car now. When you can save money in this climate, you might as well use it. If you want to go to a game, use that promo code. And one more time, thank you for watching. Thank you for leaving that review. Thank you for tuning in to the show every single week. And thank you from the bottom of my heart. Have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, maybe even a Happy New Year if I don't see you till then. I'll be at Christmas Day with my family and I'm going to Disneyland. I cannot wait uh, for the holidays. It's going to be awesome. Just a few more days, three more days when this drops on December 22nd. Three days from Christmas is three days from good old Saint Nick dropping them toys down the chimney and eating your cookies and drinking your milk. It's going to be a good one. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And until next time, rooting for a Niners win on Christmas night. Stay faithful. <laughs>